0: Hoop Ballers! Let's talk about your balls. Yep, your balls. And the area around them. Let's talk about Manscaped.com. Go there and use promo code HoopBall20 H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L-2-0 Use the promo code and go check out all the tools they have of trimming the hedges and taking care of your lawn. Like the lawnmower 3.0 with a built in LED light to help you get into those dark thigh crevices on the inner parts. Also, the gooch. It is hard to get to the gooch if you can't see it. So use the LED light with the anti Tugless technology on the Razor, full long battery life. Then, Check out the weed whacker, bring that out of the shed, use it on your shrubs, cut down what you need down to bare minimum if you need to. It's got a nice anti-tugless technology, just like the lawnmower 3.0. It's also got a lithium battery and best news of all, these things are waterproof. So that way you can do it in the shower and take care of business in the cleanest way possible. Hoopball20 is the promo code that's going to get you free shipping as well as 20% off. I recommend using it. I recommend getting the complete care kit with your free shipping and your 20% off. Spend a little extra, get a lot more. There's a good care kit there for us gentlemen. Face scrub, shampoo, ball treatment, and the area that surrounds our balls. I believe there's even a pair of underwear in there for our balls. So, yeah. That's going to conclude the talk about our balls. Now let's talk about bets. Mybookie.ag is where all the hoop ballers take care of their winnings and where we place all of our wagers that we post in our article and the wager pass, as well as our free plays and our Discord chats. Yes, mybookie.ag. Use promo code hoopball, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L. We have today in sports betting. The following is a hoop ball presentation. Hoop welcome back to another episode. And another edition of today in sports betting. I am your host, Devin Ellington, or D A L E 007 on Twitter. You also need to, well, after you follow me, you got to go check out at Hootball Gaming and at Hootball Tweets. The motherboard, the mothership at Hootball Tweets over there on the Twitter sphere. Hoop-ball.com is the entity that makes this here podcast possible. So make sure you check that website out. That is hoop-ball.com. Check out the free stuff, the fantasy basketball news, tons of off-season and dynasty stuff going on in the forums. We've got lots of articles churning out uh, specific team coverage, If you need some heat news, we got you. If you need Timberwolves news, we got you. So uh, reach out, join the family. We'd love to have you come for the free stuff. Look into the paid product. It's 33 cents a day for a wager pass. That's less than a latte, especially, I mean, even if you live in the Orange County or in expensive parts of the country, 33 cents a day. You know, that's going to get you, for example, I just submitted 10 plays into this today's wager pass on the afternoon games alone. And that's just me. So I'm a high volume MLB better. We've got Aaron Bruski, the founder, the godfather himself in there with NBA plays. We've got people given plus 400 and 500 uh, home run, home run props in back-to-back days out in the uh discord so i'm just saying it, it, it's a fun atmosphere and our family's growing and there's plenty of space at our table so we got plenty of leafs to put in the table to extend it out so today's gonna be a phenomenal show and i'm excited for it um we've been having some great guests on the show lately and i i just you know, not to one up the previous guests, but I I just got to kind of, I got to keep getting these people on and just keep bringing on amazing content creators. And I think I've got a really great one today because, well, I'm a personal fan of the show and this guy just churns out content. Like he doesn't do anything else and it's great, informative content. So, I just want to dive right in. It's going to be a baseball-heavy episode. You've probably heard of the podcast network, Locked On. This fella is a prospect analyst and a host for the Locked On MLB Prospect show. And then also, Locked On Marlins, the team-specific Miami Marlins podcast for the Locked On Podcast Network. He's a writer for At Boardroom. And then... I saw this uh, here also, Aram, you were a uh, Syracuse, house Syracuse alone, correct?
1: Uh, yes, I am. Uh, just graduated about a year ago and uh, not into a normal world, but it's been a good opportunity through all of this to just be able to keep diving into the content and the projects. So uh, I appreciate the intro and uh, a lot of things going on, but all good stuff. And I'm excited to talk about it.
0: Absolutely. And I forgot to mention JustBaseball.com and your name, but Aram Layton, guys, uh, you got his credentials there. I spilled the can of beans, but he is at Aram, A-R-A-M, Layton, that's L-E-I-G-H-T-O-N-8 on Twitter. Aram Layton 8 on Twitter. JustBaseball.com. It's a website that I really like to ditty daddily on. You've got some great stuff on there, man. And we were talking off air about the uh, prospect show and how I used to listen to it uh, on work trips and, uh, you know, just on, during flights. So I, the nitty grittiness of the prospect coverage out there with it being ever changing And with it being, you know, just so full of information and and things and uh, players and uh, prospects to talk about that, I mean, that's got to be a heavy and daunting undertaking. And I commend you, sir.
1: Yeah, it it definitely is, and the the funny thing about it was that it was something that I was always doing almost. Anyways, I just always had this fascination with prospects and keeping up with the future stars of the game. And as I was doing that, I kind of realized, okay, I'm doing all of this work already, and I have so much information. And my friends that either are coworkers at the Locked On Network would ask me, you know, what do you think of this guy? What do you think of that guy? And I just realized I was like. You actually have a little bit of knowledge here that you could potentially be able to share. And uh, so I pitched the idea when I was hosting the Marlin show already to uh, David Locke and then the Locked On Network. And uh, very thankfully, they gave me this opportunity to host this Locked On Prospects show. And uh, it really started during COVID, which seems a bit backwards, right? You're you're hosting a show about the minor leagues when the minor leagues is canceled. Uh, that seems like that would be a, a, a tough ask. And it was in some areas, but the big reason why I wanted to do it was you know, we didn't have a minor league season. We didn't have any way to keep up with these players. Unfortunately, fortunately, through my Uh, youth in South Florida playing baseball all the way through high school and uh, was ready to play in college, uh, got hurt, shifted over to uh, covering the game at Syracuse. But a bunch of my former teammates were still playing in pro ball from high school uh, or that I played in summer ball with. And then um, as I broadcasted, I I broadcasted in the Cape Cod league and uh, just was able to make so many connections with players and uh, through mutual friends or whatever it may be. And during COVID and unfortunately during the quarantine, I was saying, you know what? I think people would really love to hear what's going on with, uh, with these players, with the stars of their organization in the minor leagues. How are they training? How are they staying fresh? So I started doing these interviews with these guys and just talking to them about you know, tell the fans, you know, what's going on? How are you staying fresh? What are you doing? What are you working on? And, you know, I'd have pitchers come on and say, yeah, well, I always wanted to throw a change up. Haven't had a chance to really work on it. And now I've just been going in the backyard every couple of days and just throwing the change up. And it was a really interesting way to just kind of hear about how players are using that time off as an opportunity to separate themselves. Now we have a season again, and uh, there's definitely been even more interest around the show, which has been awesome. And people just want that analysis on, on the prospects because it's so hard to keep up with all of the affiliates. And it has been a blast being able to, you know, be that information source and also be able to just talk about uh, so many of the young upcoming fun players that, uh, you know, you can help people kind of know who to look out for.
0: Yeah. And having that background that you have in baseball um, and having the run of it, you did, I mean, you respect and understand the grittiness and the grind more than anyone. And I've seen, you know, some recent shows that you've done and, like, you've had some really interesting cats on the show and, you know, I just love like, you know, I I should have forewarned you I was going to just shower you with compliments and just tell you that I, <laughs> I
1: appreciate you. it, man. But
0: uh, we'll get to actually talking here soon, I promise. But, no, I just, the locked on part, it started with college football for me, you know, they just Whenever I do my college football previews, you know, it was just so awesome having that team-specific, you know, grind. And uh, that's what I like about the Marlins show. A lot of interesting uh, pieces that I've liked as prospects coming up into the league. You know, the Dickersons and the Andersons and, uh, you know, like, we'll we'll get into it. But uh, – you get, you get my drift and it's just a, it's a really, you know, people say the word niche and, you know, I hope it's not offensive, but it's like you, you found what you're really good at. And, uh, you know, again, I'm sure the listeners, uh, can second it. And, uh, we, we like your work. That's for sure.
1: I appreciate that, man. And and yeah, it definitely is a niche, especially with the Marlins. Right. Because, uh, locked on took a chance on on me as you mentioned they started with football basketball, and then they ventured into baseball and they were looking to fill up all their shows and let's be real, the Marlins aren't the most covered team in the world uh, they're a small market organization that being said, they're still a major league baseball team and there's still a lot of people that care about them and uh, for me, it kind of worked in my favor because when locked on approached me, I was still in college and that was something that I don't know at the time if they were actively looking for people my age. I know I was one of the younger people to come in, and that was probably because there weren't that many candidates uh, covering the Marlins. And they looked at me, and you know they thought that they could take a chance on me as a kid, and it worked out to the point where they gave me another show. So it, it's something I'm really grateful for, and you got to start in a niche sometimes. But um, I, I enjoy that, especially with the Marlins side of things. It's really fun because – you you really are able to talk about a team that maybe doesn't get as much coverage and attention as as some of the other teams and you can kind of play your part in making sure that they do get their their fair shake especially when they make the playoffs last year whether you want to consider that a full season, you know, a real season or not, uh, you know, that that's up for interpretation, but I don't think anybody from LA uh, and from the West coast is saying that that season didn't count. Right. They won the world series for the Marlins. They won the playoff or they made the playoffs, excuse me. And, um, that was a really exciting time. And to be able to highlight that and discuss that and talk about what was going right for the Marlins, I think was a really cool opportunity. And then segueing that into the prospect side of things, being able to tell the stories of players. I just, you mentioned the interviews I had Alec Burleson on uh, who's an outfield prospect for the Cardinals, maybe not a household name, but he he very well could be very soon because after getting drafted 70th overall uh, in 2020, he has already just starting into the season, He played 11 games, his first 11 games in pro ball and gets called up to double A. So now he's already playing in double A, one of the younger players in all of double A and has been phenomenal, already has nine home runs and is doing all of these incredible things. And people look at it and they're like, oh, wow, this guy figured it out. But how did he figure it out? What did he do? What changed? Is it sustainable? How do you get that? The only way to get that is from the horse's mouth and uh, Burleson explaining little things that you would never know. Like the fact that, yes, he was a two way player at East Carolina, but what's allowed him to be able to be so much better as a hitter now is that he can do upper body lifting. And he's telling me all about the fact that when he was a pitcher, he couldn't do too much upper body lifting. So he wasn't as strong. Uh, And now. He's added all this muscle, and that's why he has nine home runs through his first 30-something games. It's things like that that I just love to be able to get out of players that you wouldn't know and wouldn't be able to uh, find out from the box scores.
0: Absolutely. And one of the more awesome parts of just who the Miami Marlins are for me as someone that has liked to follow them from – the early 2000s, you know, they're an, you know, they've just kind of been that interesting expansion piece with early success, you know, in the early 2000s, tapered off, have had some really phenomenal polarizing stars come through. And, you know, they've kind of gotten into the old school farm bevy, you know, Mattingly kind of style with Derek Jeter atop of all things. And I think that gives it a little bit more of a glow also a little more fluorescence as far as appeal. And, you know, when you think Miami, you kind of think a little bit of appeal. So like, you know, sex appeal, appeal in general, uh, fluorescent appeal. But one of the things that I like most in, in the uh, days leading up to the season starting, I was doing a lot of listening a lot of reading about teams and, so, I was listening to a lot of podcasts as my, myself. I'm a huge fan, also. You know, I, I do the show, but like I get my information from places too. Um, and, John Boy, you know, they refer to uh, you guys, the Marlins, uh, as the fish with arms because y'all have so many pitching prospects and just so much <laughs> yeah. uh, depth within your rotation. And uh, I just love that nickname. So. It's great. And it's it's
1: true because it's really wild uh, to, to see the transition because you mentioned the polarizing stars, right? The Marlins were loaded with bats and no arms outside of Jose Fernandez, um, who obviously unfortunately passed away. Yeah. And that really uh, changed things up in terms of their pitching. But even with Jose Fernandez, they were all offense, right? You have Stanton, Yelich, Ozuna, G.T. Um, Gordon, all of these guys. And people are like, well, how didn't this team win? J.T. Realmuto. Well, it was because they had zero pitching. And you can't win without pitching in Major League Baseball. It's just the reality of it. And they had no farm system. Now you take a team, and it's almost the complete opposite, which mm-hmm. is – Good and bad. It's a little bit frustrating for fans because they're like, OK, how do you go to all from all bats and no arms to all arms and no bats? But that's kind of been what's happened. But you know what? If I could have one or the other, I think uh, every single organization would want to build that pitching depth. So they, they have a really good baseline right now. And, you know, heading into the season, I know you do a lot of gambling coverage. Uh, I gave out on uh, Locked On Prospects and Locked On Marlins. I said Trevor Rogers. This guy is going to be a rookie of the year finalist. I couldn't even find a line on him. I wanted to put 10 bucks on him to, to win whatever. And I couldn't even find a line on Trevor Rogers. He's probably the favorite right now. Uh, he's been dominating, and, and that's been a huge boost for the Marlins. And they have young guys. Uh, all of these guys are under 25, 26 years old. Sandy Alcantara, he's yeah. 25 years old. Pablo Lopez, he's 25 years old or younger. You also have Sixto Sanchez waiting to come back, and then all of the guys in the farm system, so many top prospects that have a high ceiling pitching-wise. It's It's a really good situation for the Marlins. What they need to figure out now is how are we going to get – some bats to really supplement everything. Jazz Chisholm has been a pleasant surprise um, and has been really, really good. And he is making his own case to be rookie of the year. But outside of him, they haven't had that much set success uh, when it comes to developing offensive talent. And that's going to be the challenge for this team and will be the the one thing that they uh, need to be able to do to have this all kind of work. And it's ironic that Derek Jeter – you know, Derek Jeter led team is struggling on the offensive side of things, but uh, I will say that Jeter handpicked jazz Chisholm. Uh, they traded Zach Allen for him straight up. That was an interesting trade and they gave up a lot gallons of talents and arm, uh, but you know, th- it looks like it's working out. And um, that's something that the Marlins now that they need to shift their focus onto the offensive side of things and see how they can start to, uh, start to fill out that lineup a little bit. They have some prospects, but so far the track record hasn't been phenomenal with uh, developing those guys.
0: Yeah, and Jazz Chisholm, you know, well, it, it speaks volumes about having two guys tossed in the ring, you know, their hats tossed in the ring about, you know, rookie of the year on one team. But Jazz Chisholm is definitely, and you said it, hit it right on the head, is definitely like a Derek Jeter kind of guy. And the pleasant surprise of his offensive game being a little bit ahead of what, you know, we thought it was going to be coming into this season, uh, you know, that I think it speaks volume maybe to Jazz's pedigree. And, uh, you know, I've enjoyed watching him play, and he's obviously a prospect that a lot of us was really looking forward to seeing. You know, just some other rookies that I'll throw out there, uh, different leagues or just in general. But obviously, Akil Badu has been having a really dominant, you know, kind of just comfortable approach to the plate as a rookie. And then also, uh, you know, he's he started off crazy hot and he probably won't get there. Uh, so we, this may not be worth mention and uh, maybe a little moot, but. Uh, your man Merce- uh, Mercedes, but you know, he, he broke a couple historic records, uh, early in the season Has obviously tapered off and, uh, all that good stuff lately, but impressive rookies throughout, uh, the majors, but Miami y'all got a lot of talent.
1: Yeah. You know, it's funny. The Marlins actually called on Mercedes, uh, in the off season, and we're looking to potentially trade for him and, uh, a deal just didn't quite fall in place. Mercedes, you mentioned he has tapered off, no doubt, but he has been one hell of a story for them as well. 28 years old, rookie, and just putting it together now, uh, even if he's hitting more at the rate he's hitting now, he's still been a really, really solid ball player for him. And he's still hitting two doesn't strike out much. He offers some power. And uh, he's a guy that you got to see how he makes that second adjustment. I always say that with prospects and young players is a lot of these guys will come out hot. And then they hit a little bit of a wall and that wall is hit because people, our teams start to find out, you know, how to pitch to you and, and how to uh, cater towards your weaknesses, That's just only a natural progression. But what really separates the stars from the flash in the pants or the guys that start hot and never quite get back there is that second adjustment. It's not that initial adjustment to the major leagues. It's adjusting to how the major leagues adjust to you. And that's what I always talk about. And I think Mercedes will be able to make that adjustment. I think he's going to kind of get back to a middle ground from what we're seeing now and what we saw out of the gate. Uh, He's just going to have to figure out a little bit more of how he's being pitched to. I highlighted Mercedes actually last year, which is funny because uh, I, I would, did not have the guts to put money on him to one rookie of the year. I'll tell you that. But I did really like him as one of my underrated prospects and one of my underrated prospect episodes. I highlighted Mercedes because I really like his approach. It, it's not really what you see in today's game anymore, uh, where he takes his hacks early in the count. Don't don't get me wrong. He, he, he will take a big swing. But with two strikes, he spreads out. He chokes up. And he's just looking to put the ball in play. And you don't really see that today. And that's why it's amazing. He only has 42 strikeouts and 238 plate appearances because with two strikes, he's spreading out and he's just trying to put the bat on the ball. And there's something refreshing about that. And uh, we saw something similar with Jazz Chisholm. Chisholm was a big swing and miss guy, and he could still cut down on the strikeouts a bit. But what he has really done is that with two strikes, he's content with hitting the ball hard on the ground somewhere and uh, hoping it has eyes because he's a really good runner. And that's something that he's been doing a lot more now, too. And I think we're going to see baseball trend in that direction. That's something that I'm writing about for uh, just baseball as you were kind enough to mention earlier, which has been a project of mine uh, that we've slowly rolled out and officially full bore launches the 22nd. And it's going to have everything there from, you know, prospects to MLB college baseball, fantasy, betting, anything you can imagine. Uh, we wanted to make it like a one-stop shop for baseball. So I am really excited about that. And I think there's going to be some cool crossovers from the podcast content to the written content on there. Uh, but Rookie of the Year stuff has always been stuff I've been discussing. And uh, your mean Mercedes has been some story, but how about Adolis Garcia? I mean, he he mm-hmm. hasn't shown any signs of slowing down, and he's been a blast to watch as well.
0: I agree. That's a good call there uh kind of just caught me off guard a little bit actually. <laughs> Forgot about Adolis. Um I was actually gonna ask you what you thought of the notion of uh Cabrian Hayes if he's healthy the rest of the year and he has extremely high success uh in regards to, you know, impressive slashing line. And he gets some stolen bases and plays good defense. Do you think he can maybe just come up from the Back to the pack, you know, on the last turn, and uh, get in there with some impressive, eye-popping offensive numbers.
1: Uh, no doubt. I'm glad you brought that question up because he's one of my favorite players uh, out there. Uh, not not prospects, favorite players. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I played third base my whole life, so I always have a little bit of a bias towards third baseman. Uh, but that's a question, ironically, that's been brought up to me by Marlins fans because they're like, they're asking you know, is Brian Hayes a threat to Trevor Rogers or, or jazz Chisholm's rookie of the year race. Um, And then that's something that comes up in the prospect conversation as well on the prospect podcast. And the answer is absolutely. He absolutely can come from behind here and take the rookie of the year race. Look, we're still in June, uh, midway through June. Yes. We're about a quarter of the way through the season and he's missed a chunk of games, but with Rookie of the Year, a lot of the offensive guys taper off. Uh, we'll see what Trevor Rogers does and how strong he finishes. He, he just had another phenomenal outing against the Cardinals. So now his ERA is back under two, which is just absurd for a rookie. But when you talk about Hayes, you mentioned it. He, he kind of checks every box. And what's amazing about Brian Hayes is I would venture to say he's already one of the best third baseman defensively in baseball right now. Mm-hmm. Arguably top two. And when you consider that, uh, the value that he brings with the glove and now how he's been able to hit offensively, uh, the speed that he can bring as well, he is able to impact the game in so many ways that it's going to be hard to, to really rule that guy out. He already has three home runs in his first 13 games. He's going to really be able to bring you a lot of value with the defense. By the end of the season, he's going to be first or second place when it comes to, to war for rookies, You know, wins above replacement. And the wild thing was, even in 2020, he only played 24 games for the Pirates, 95 played appearances, and he was at the top of his entire team in war. So he had teammates playing more than double the games, and he was producing more value, more wins above replacement than all of his teammates. And I think that kind of shows you uh, just how valuable this guy is beyond just the, the impressive slash line, as you mentioned, just the defensive value, the base running, just everything that he does when when I look at you, Brian Hayes, I think we could be looking at uh, one of the best, if not the best third baseman uh, in, in the next five years uh, that baseball will have. And he's got that kind of star power.
0: Yeah, I was really bummed when he had to start with a little bit of an IL stint at the beginning of the season. Oh, that one hurt
1: me. <laughs> that I, was one I, of those that really hit hard.
0: Right. And it just it, – it was like, man, I – was really looking forward to he was pretty much the only thing I talked about in the Pirates preview that I wrote for the uh for the uh base you know this season wagering and just overall you know overview preview of the uh, upcoming baseball season for hootball and the preview articles. so the pirates obviously don't have a lot going on right now, so if he's able to just stand out astronomically and create a ton of production then obviously he's got to get some looks and I think he's got a great chance to and uh you know the kid I think has MVP pedigree um at some point in his career I mean he just like you like you said I mean the boxes are there um I've got Chapman and Arenado up there obviously um I I was listening to your broadcast and he 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 said Machado as his second best third baseman, and I I completely disagreed with that. Um, so yeah, no, I'm really high on him. Also, I, I think I just I really like Chapman and Arenado because they're comfortable as the best third baseman in the majors, obviously.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong. Chapman is probably one of the best we've seen, um, and, and it's just amazing to see what he can do with the glove. He's struggled with the bat, which is ironic. So much.
0: I was just looking at his numbers. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It,
1: and it's been, it's been tough to see, and, and I think when you look at Brian Hayes, he's just a, a better all-around hitter, and yeah. I would have said that even if Chapman wasn't struggling just mm-hmm. because Chapman you know, hits for power but doesn't quite have that bat-to-ball skill that Hayes has. I mean, Hayes really has, doesn't strike out much at all. He never struck out more than 20% of the time throughout his entire minor league career. He walks a good deal, but the reason why I think he, he could be better than those guys uh, is of course the well-roundedness offensively Machado. He's great defensively as well. But when I look at Hayes, I see a guy that really could, could be a platinum Glover. You know yeah. that, that wins a Gold Glove almost every single year, and that's what Chapman did. So I think you could be right there with Matt Chapman defensively, and then you're getting way more from him in the other aspects, right? The speed, the ability to hit for average, the power—that's yeah, that's something that Chapman has, but. Uh, I, I really think that that's what we could be seeing from Hugh Brian Hayes. And that's why I think he's on a fast track to being one of the best third baseman in baseball. And it's great for the pirates because they don't have much else uh, yeah. to look forward to uh, right now. But I, I do like some of those prospects in, in that system as well. But yeah, Hayes, Hayes is a breath of a breath, of fresh air, excuse me. And um, there's just a lot of young talent in this game right now. That, that's the great thing about baseball is I do think it's in a, it's in a good spot. We talk about jazz. We talk about Hayes. Fernando Tatis, Vlad Guerrero Jr., who's really potentially looking like he could win a triple crown. Yeah. Like there, there's so much young talent. Juan Soto, Acuna, all these guys are under 25 years old. Baseball's in a good spot. Just hopefully they uh, market them properly. And, um, you know, th- there's going to be a really nice wave here of young talent and, and it's not done coming through.
0: I always like to see the layers to baseball and how it changes a little bit, you know, through a course of four-year spurts. But uh, one play a quick little game on Matt Chapman's stats. So I'm going to just, you know, say three categories and I'll have you guess what you think is the higher of the three that he's accumulated the higher number in. RBIs, runs, and walks. Oof.
1: Oh man. um, That's a good one. I'm going to say, I'm going to say he's walked more than any of the, any of the three. That
0: you are absolutely right. correct, sir. Yeah. 37 walks, 30 ribbies, 29 runs.
1: Jeez. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. That kind of tells a story, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. look, look, walks are great, but you're playing third base, man. You got it. You got to hit, you got yeah. to, you got to produce. That's a premium offensive position. And it's great to see him walking, but yeah, he's not really he's not really driving in runs for them. He's been swinging it a bit better as of late. But the amazing thing is, and this is what just just wows me with Oakland. And I'm not sure from like a betting perspective uh, how they're looked at because it, it sometimes I'm just when I look at who I'm taking for that day, I look at Oakland. They're they're winning a ton of ball games, but I almost don't understand how. Yeah. I mean, you look at that that left side of the infield. Elvis Andrews is hitting 200 with almost no value Chapman's hitting 223 and leading the league in strikeouts. Oh, how, how are they able to win so many games? And, and it's great defense, obviously decent pitching, but it blows my mind how Oakland's able to win so many games it's, it's impressive really.
0: It is. And it, you know, you wonder if it's going to putter out, you know, we saw him have that big losing streak early in the year. grand that's early in the year, you know, um, But it raises questions of if, like, you know, they're going to happen to go through that again. And I've actually got Houston high up on my list as far as who I think will. Well, I've actually – I've said it from the preview article. Uh, I've actually got Houston winning the World Series. Uh Um, So – and at least representing the AL – you know, the last three ALCSs have gone through Houston, you know. uh, So, technically – um just a you know different look I I don't I think if they get
1: Verlander back man I mean that's it's not not a bad take if Verlander comes back and and is able to pitch at the end of the season into the postseason with the way Valdez has looked when he came back that offense I mean that's that offense is potent yeah and uh I mean they they're out to prove something they like you said they they were close last year they were really darn close and they were playing pretty poor uh up until the postseason, and then just caught fire. Hey, yeah. That's a team that can beat anybody on any given night. I, I agree.
0: Well, I think they swept the first two series that they were in um, last year. Or they they swept the first. They won like their first six or seven games in the postseason. I can't I think or something. But, yeah, they had a lot of good. And I I I, li- I like uh, Dusty Baker too. So yeah, he was
1: a great fit for them as well.
0: He, he and a lot of people will talk down on him and such, but I think, like you said, he just. Houston found a good fit. They found a guy that could handle that awkward transition of the whole oh, yeah. thing. Scandal, cheat. Look, they did it. Let, let's let enjoy the baseball we have now. So, uh, you know, doesn't make it right. But, yeah, I think they found the perfect kind of like no-nonsense, uh, grandpa kind of figure to uh, coerce everyone through, you know, that wave pool of, you know, whatever happened.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's funny because on paper, right, it seems like it's one of the most desirable jobs. You have a job opening for a team that was knocking on the door of the world series that doesn't happen uh, because those managers generally don't get fired. Uh, You have, you have a job opportunity for a team that's as talented as you're going to find that is looking for a head coach or for a manager, excuse me. And uh, that's something that you don't generally find, but what made the job undesirable is the things that you mentioned, the obvious, right? That nobody wants to deal with the PR nightmare. That is the uh, Houston Astros after that whole scandal, but Dusty Baker doesn't care, right? Like he, he takes all that stuff on, head on and, and was advocating for his players, even though he was no part of that cheating scandal. And I'm sure deep down knows that it was wrong. He doesn't care. He Advocates for his players. He, he gets out in front of it. He's taken everything head on and you can say what you want about Baker, but he is a big reason why I think this team is comfortable, confident and able to put it behind them. Maybe the people on the outside aren't willing to, I know Yankees fans aren't going to put it behind them, but you know what? Dusty Baker has kind of led them, like you said, and is kind of taking those bullets for them, and is letting them move through it. And again, whether they're cheating or not, this is one of the most talented teams in baseball, and they show it on a daily basis.
0: They do, and they showed it while crushing my under bet by a hook last night on that grandy by Jose Altuve. <laughs> Ugh, oh, that man. just sucked. They shouldn't even gone to extra innings, but. Extra innings
1: nowadays is is a killer for over under or for unders. It's great for overs, but yeah, with the new extra innings rule, uh, it, it's terrifying.
0: It is absolutely terrifying. And what's crazy, you know, like why second base? Why are we putting them in running? You know, a runner and scoring because let's just just start them on first. That's the first base. So what? We're skipping first base. Like like, what are we teaching our young men? Like skip first base. Like don't don't try to take time to get to first base just try to go straight for it di- I, I guess that's all right to teach but you know I, I, I agree you know I, I like the
1: rule in general because now when I go on and, and go to see you know if I'm on the MLB TV app um, and, and it might be unpopular I know a lot of people don't love the rule but for me it's like I look at an all-star or I look at an extra inning game excuse me and Generally before I'd be like, ah, do I want to watch that? It's going to go 14 innings. <laughs> I like, think nobody's going to score. Uh, it's just going to be monotonous, but now it's like, okay, they're, they're going to score. It's going to be fun, but second base is a little aggressive. It does give a very large advantage to the home team, in my opinion, because I don't know what they don't have the numbers in front of me, but a runner on second base and no outs that run scores more often than it doesn't runner on first base, nobody out the run scores pretty frequently but it's not this almost guarantee. And, and that's what I like about it is I think maybe running on first base, no outs would be a better move uh, because you're still going to expedite the, the extra innings process, but you're also still not going to give the, the home team this crazy advantage uh, because you could still get a double play. You could still, there's still a little bit more gamesmanship there. And, and, I, and I think you bring up a good point, but uh, overall take it or leave it. I'll take the rule um, just because the, the extra innings games, when they get 15, 16 innings, it just gets out of hand, especially when teams have to turn around and travel on the next day. So I, I do like it. And I know players don't mind it at all because, again, you're playing 162 games. You, you don't want to go 15, 16 innings uh, on, on a Wednesday night when you got to travel Thursday.
0: No, no, no. And I'm so glad that you brought up the double play because that was going to be the hill that I was going to dial on and that I'm bent on, you know, <laughs> supporting. But I You know, I love defense. You know, we spent a good time about talking about you know good defensive third baseman today. Just you know, and I, I like defense. So it's like if we you you hit it right there on the head, and I I kind of chuckled to myself when you said the double play dynamic because it, it gives the chance uh, or it gives the pitcher a chance to showcase you know a skill you know like okay I'm in the pressure cooker I can. uh Cultivate a double play here. Like it, it forces the pitcher to make a pitch or two. Um, we also get the dynamic of a bunt. You know, we're going to get the infield tested. And what's more exciting than getting a double play when you absolutely need it, or getting that first punch out and then punt, You know, getting a double play and then, like you said, it's still going to expedite. Um, and I think. With as good as the professional hitters that we have in the majors, Um, second base, a definite definite egregious uh, gesture. But first base, I think, would definitely have a lot more of my interest.
1: Yeah, I mean, as a hitter, think about it, right? You're up at the plate. Runner on first base, no outs and extra innings, you're thinking, okay, I really got to find something that I can lift to the outfield. The one thing I can't do is hit a ground ball. So you're more challenged at the plate. But if I'm a hitter with a runner on second base and no outs, especially a left-handed hitter, it's a dream scenario. You don't care what you get down. You're telling me all I have to do is ground out to second base and I did my job. Like that's the that's the most desirable situation ever. So it just shows how different it is. Where the runner on first, you, the one thing you don't want to do is ground out. Runner on second, the one thing you do want to do is just yank a ground ball if you're a lefty, or just hit a ground ball the other way uh, if you're a righty. It just shows you how different these scenarios are.
0: Yeah, and it, I think it would open up even more analytics for us, obviously. So uh, it'd be something even more fun to break down. Uh. I mentioned I wanted to talk with you a little about some past Marlins teams and players. I just wanted to, uh, you know, because you grew up, like you said, you were over in that area. So maybe you uh, got some fun different names to throw out there that maybe the casual baseball fan might have forgotten about over the years that played for you guys. Uh, I – obviously I'm going to start with an obvious just choice here and Don trail Willis, um, my all time favorite, you know, like just the snap on his ball and the way he came off the, uh, mound. Um, I loved using him in, uh, MLB. Oh, what it was like 2007 or something to that. It was an old game. Uh, but I loved using him on there because he he was a lefty and uh, just real powerful, real powerful. That
1: crazy leg kick, that leg that kick, yeah, leg kick. Yeah, and you know it was a tough story, just seeing him fall off a little bit after after the Marlins uh, moved him to Detroit. Detroit. But you know when he was with the Fish, Cy Young runner up in two thousand and five, and that was the year that really stands out to me, where he was just unbelievable. He had five shutouts. He was just so much fun to watch. And he played the game with so much passion. He's a lot of fun to watch now on, on Fox, where he's a great commentator. But the other thing, too, is he played a big part in the Marlins 2003 World Series. It was two young kids that got called up later in the season that played a huge part in that World Series. It was Don Willis, and it was Miguel Cabrera. And, I, you know, that's something that I think is really special, is that they were able to have future hall of famer Miguel Cabrera play his first season and he's squaring off against Roger Clemens in the world series 20 year age gap and takes him deep to right field those are the types of things that are just so awesome. The other thing that I loved about Dontrell is that he could hit. He could really freaking hit. Uh, 244 career hitter. He had nine home runs in his career. He had a multi-home run game. And even in his last season with the Reds, where he was not really able to pitch much at all anymore, in 34 plate appearances, he hit 387. So he was just a lot of fun to watch at the plate. Always a big smile on his face. Uh, But, you know, the the funny thing is I love that 2003 World Series team, of course. Um, uh, The 2005 team underachieved but was really talented. One of my favorite teams, uh, Marlins teams, that it might be a bunch of names that people hadn't heard in a while. But 2009, people Mm -hmm. forget that the Marlins were actually really close to making the playoffs. They won 87 games. And this was right after... They sold a lot of their talent, and it was a team that was led by Hanley Ramirez, a young twenty-five-year-old Hanley Ramirez who was still fast at the time, stole twenty-seven bags, and they had guys like Dan Uggla that were just a ton of fun to watch. And uh, Chris Coghlan had won Rookie of the Year that year. Jorge Cantu, yeah, Jorge Cantu was a stud. Josh Johnson. They had all these young players. I think they had six players that received a vote for uh, rookie of the year. And it was a fun year. They just missed the playoffs and they were actually looking to add, which this is one of my favorite stories to tell is that they were really close to bringing in a guy to help them make their playoff run uh, by the name of Manny Ramirez. Uh, Manny Ramirez was on his way out of Boston. As you remember, he ends up getting traded to LA instead and the Dodgers, he he hit like 400 with the Dodgers helped him to the playoffs and uh, all that good stuff the Marlins were looking to make a deal for him because they could smell the playoffs. And it had been a while since they'd been there. And there was a little hang up on the deal. The Red Sox wanted one of the Marlins uh, power hitting prospects at the time. That was still a year away from the big leagues named Mike Stanton, of course, now known as John Carlos Stanton, but the Marlins said no deal. And uh, that was the hang up in the deal. They, they wanted uh, Stanton for Manny you know for Manny and and that just wasn't going to happen because the Marlins knew they weren't going to extend Manny Ramirez and so they weren't going to give up their young talent for uh, for a rental but it was just a really fun team at the time and just to see for me as a kid after 2003 I was young and it felt like forever those six years after that uh, to see a competitive Marlins team again uh, it was a lot of fun and, and a little fun fact about that team as well is that's the only infield in baseball history to have the entire infield hit 25 home runs or more, which is kind of a crazy stat. Mike Jacobs hit 32, Dan Ogle hit 32, Hanley hit 33, Cantu hit 29. Um, and that's the only infield to ever do that.
0: That is uh, – wow. I was not expecting to learn that today. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm i sitting here looking through the roster. And, you know, Anibal Sanchez was, you know, in there, Chris Volstad. uh Cameron maybin
1: Yeah, uh, he came over and that Miguel Cabrera trade did not pan out.
0: Yeah. Man, yeah, that's that's really, really... And then I forgot about Ronnie Paulino, too. You know, he was there <laughs> for a little bit. Paulino, uh, <laughs> so, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, well, that's pretty neat. Uh, see, that's the kind of stuff that I was hoping that we would get into, you know, just by me letting loose of the range was letting you talk about something you know a lot about, you know, because I'm an overall just baseball nut and i loved the early 2000s in baseball and i feel like a lot of folks from like 2006 to 2010 like we just kind of forget about that gap of baseball it was kind oh, of for weird sure. and speaking of weird the just cy young voting and this will tell you like you you mentioned Don d train being uh right behind the f- first place winner in the nl and i just want to run through the top votes here I've got up on baseball reference do you know do you recall who won that that Cy Young for the NL in 2005 oh gosh that's a great question I I didn't I think
1: I, I, think, I, I think Oh, I think I know who it was I am it wasn't Wayne Wright it was probably it was Chris you're very
0: hot yeah yeah I was gonna say you are very hot Chris Carpenter Chris
1: Carfander.
0: Uh, 21-5 and five on the year. He had uh, seven complete games, but so did Dontrell Willing, uh, Willis. Sorry. Uh, That'll never
1: happen <laughs> again with two guys with seven complete games.
0: Um, and so 241 innings pitched, uh, 213 strikeouts, only NL pitcher in the Cy Young voting to have over 200 uh, strikeouts. So, yeah, just a, a 1.05 whip and a 0.88 k to walk rate or, or sorry k to innings pitched uh ratio. So Roger Clemens under D- Dontrell Willis and then I I knew Roy Oswalt should have been in there somewhere and he was. Him and Roger Clemens both for the Astros got some votes. And then Chad Cordero of the Washington Nationals and then Andy Pettit of the Houston Astros. Oh my gosh, that you forget about
1: that rotation, right? Clemens Oswald and Pettit
0: Pettit, Yeah.
1: And that yeah. team, oh,
0: and that team didn't win anything. No, they didn't. Um, they, they even had some other pieces uh, in that, in that pitching staff also. All right. So this, now where it gets really funny is the AL Cy Young. Okay. Uh, so I was curious because we were talking about Dontrell Willis and being in the NL uh, Cy Young conversation in 2005. Um do you want to take a stab at who the 2005 AL Cy Young winner was?
1: Oh my goodness. I
0: this don't even would know. It'd be fun.
1: I don't even think I have an educated guess.
0: It okay. Uh so it was Bartolo Colon.
1: Oh my gosh, with Oakland. Uh
0: I'm pulling up the voting and everything now. I can't remember who he was with. Uh he was with the Angels.
1: With the Angels. Wow. Yeah.
0: And then, and then get this as a relief pitcher, Mariano Rivera second. And then it goes, Johan Santana, Cliff Lee, Mark Burley, John Garland. Shout out, John Garland. I forgot about him. Two White Sox pitchers, Burley and Garland, Kevin Millwood. It shows you
1: how much pitching has has dominated the game now, right? I mean, right. you look at these names of like the finalists and their numbers. Most of these guys are averaging less less than a strikeout per inning, and now you're not sniffing uh, the top five if you're not striking out more than a batter per inning. Uh, that's wild. Bartolo Colon. That's that's a good trivia question to stump people. Yeah. Uh, with Bartolo. seventeen
0: per or seventeen first place votes, no other pitcher had at least ten. Well, right. and it
1: kind of shows you how much more because I just pulled the numbers up. Now it shows you how much more they cared about wins back then, right? Yeah. Because he had, he had a 3.4 ADRA, and he edges out uh, Johan Santana who had a two eight seven and yeah. had almost a hundred more strikeouts, but just because he had five more wins, it, well, it's amazing. And Cliff I,
0: Lee, at eighteen and five,
1: yeah. right? It's amazing to me. What I love, I love looking back at these uh, awards and just seeing how much the game has changed. The other crazy thing to do is if you go and look at the early 2000s MVP awards and see the kind of seasons that guys had that didn't even really get a big vote share for, uh, for MVP, where you'll have guys hitting 45 home runs and they get no first place votes because everybody was hitting 40 home runs. Uh, that That is always a wild thing to see too.
0: Speaking of random guys getting MVP votes, Bobby Abreu got some in 2005 for the NL MVP. I just, you know, I hadn't seen that name in a while. And then it was right next to Dontrell Willis. Dontrell Willis was actually 11th in MVP voting for the NL that year too.
1: Yeah, he had a special season, man. It, it was It was a lot of fun to watch.
0: Yeah. Uh, Carlos Delgado and Miggy got some votes. They were fifth and sixth. Um, So that's, that's pretty crazy. Um, Yeah. These rabbit holes are getting, or in wormholes and all that good stuff are just getting bigger here with these numbers. So I'm going to close that tab. Uh, (laughs) Aram. Hey, is there any uh, hot, hot Marlins takes right now? That, you know, you just want to get off your chest or like what upcoming stuff are you super duper excited for that the listeners should be listening for and keeping an eye peeled towards, Um, you know, and then also for me, selfishly speaking, you know, like, uh, what, what, what do we got coming next?
1: Yeah. So, you know, we, we have a lot going on here. So for me personally, just baseball.com fully, fully launches on, uh, and we have the landing page up now, but fully launches on June 22nd where we'll have everything open and ready to go. So I'm really excited for that. Six days from today, um, we'll have the website fully running. And like I said earlier, it has everything from uh, MLB college, prospects uh, fantasy betting anything you can imagine will be there so I'm really excited about that um, just had an interview with Alec burleson as I mentioned earlier one of the uh, hottest players right now in the minor leagues for locked on Moby prospects so that was a lot of fun as well and then on the Marlins side uh, just just keeping up with the ball club right I'm doing a, a lot of uh series previews where um and not necessarily talking about the the betting side of things but Um, with the series previews that I do very deep dive into the numbers and you can kind of take your own uh, take your own or have your own takeaways from what I discuss and what I'm looking at with uh, how the Marlins match up with each team and uh, you know what it means for the ball club. I am excited. The Marlins did just call up Jesus Sanchez, who's been uh, one of the best hitters in the minor league so far this season was just mashing the ball in triple a. So interested to see how he's going to do for them in the outfield, but he was just really, Breaking, uh, so far this season. So that'll be really fun to watch, but uh, it's going to be a, a lot of content coming out. And uh, for the Marlins, their pitching is as good as anybody's if they're healthy. Sixto Sanchez will be on the mend. Uh, they've got some prospects that will be coming up again soon. So I'm thinking the Marlins are, are going to be able to compete pitching wise. I'm just really interested to see how they decide to put it together offensively. But I would say don't sleep on a team that has the pitching that the Marlins have. And uh, uh, it should be fun to see how things go moving
0: forward. Absolutely. The fish with arms. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> The, uh, you know, the Marlins are actually getting started right now against the Cardinals in the day game. We're recording this uh, show for Thursday, Thursday, uh, in a past timeline for you, so we're time jumping a little bit. Uh, so, you know, Mister Late, I I don't want to keep you through the start of this Marlins game. Uh, <laughs> I think it's actually timed out pretty perfectly because it, it is. Uh, just,
1: just pretend you did it on purpose.
0: I, absolutely, I did 100%. <laughs> yes. Uh, so one last time, folks, at. Aram Layton 8 on Twitter, Locked on Marlins, Locked on MLB Prospects. Those are his two shows you'll find them on very frequently. And then justbaseball.com as he just mentioned his little uh just birth love child project thing right now. It's just it's going to be thriving. I'm excited for the college baseball aspect that you talked about Aram cuz Uh, I spent a a decent amount of time uh, talking about the college and women's uh, softball, baseball and softball tournaments, pardon me, uh, this year on the show. And I, you know, I'm still talking about the College World Series, and I I love the regionals and the super regionals. So oh, it's
1: been a blast, man.
0: Um, some really surprising stuff with Arkansas going down, and oh yeah, um, that LSU Tennessee series was interesting. I was rooting for Dallas Baptist. Shout out Lance Berkman getting the hire. So yeah, I, you know, I'll be there, bud. So yeah.
1: It's been a blast, man, and I'm excited to to have that coverage going because there's just a different level of of care and passion in college baseball that you know I think anybody who watches would really latches onto. So uh, it, I'm really excited to be able to provide that coverage just in time for the World Series too. So it should be fun.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, hey, bud, uh, I'm gonna wrap a bow on this one. I mean, I, we had a fun time, and I do appreciate your time uh, mostly. And, uh, shout out to the locked on podcast network. I I just love doing this, uh, collaborative work. And again, I get to check someone off of my list that, you know, I appreciate the work of to get to work with. So, uh, thanks for making it happen, boss.
1: Awesome, man. Thank you so much. It was a lot of fun. And uh, I'm glad to uh, be able to be a part of your show and looking forward to, uh, hearing some episodes in the future.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, who ballers, that's the end of the show. You know how it goes. I always send you all of my good vibes and all of my good energies. Don't forget to check out the promo codes for the products that we talked about in the middle of the, you know, little pre-recorded thingy-majig. Mybookie.ag Manscape.com. You've got to check them out. Check our website out, hoop-ball.com. Go ahead and use the promo codes. Follow us. Give us some love. Share some love to Aram as well. And let's have a wonderful day. Let's do something nice and kind for someone. Be safe, be healthy, be positive. And today in sports betting is out. This has been a hoop ball presentation.